even as we have this epidemic, right, kids are still getting sick and going to the intensive care unit. They still need to be taken care of. And so kids still need to be able to get this access to this testing, and we need to be able to use our resources the best that we can. And part of the step in the right direction for that is getting broader access to this type of testing so physicians know what they're dealing with and they're better able to uh, tailor their treatment and management plan for these patients. Welcome to the Illumina Genomics Podcast, where leading scientists discuss their genomics research and how genomics is shaping their understanding of science and nature. Here's your host, Paul Broman. Well, hello and welcome to episode 65 of the Genomics Podcast. Today's show is our first in a series of four episodes where we'll help to unpack clinical whole genome sequencing. We'll be discussing how this unique technology platform is being used in screening and diagnostics. And we'll highlight some interesting use cases. And finally, we'll talk about some of the recent clinical data that validate whole genome sequencing in clinical applications. But first, in today's show, we'll be discussing whole genome sequencing in the context of neonatal and pediatric intensive care. Genetic diseases are the leading cause of death among infants that are hospitalized in intensive care. And an estimated 4% of newborns in North America may be affected. Whole genome sequencing holds the promise of characterizing genetic variation in this unique patient population. And to discuss this topic, I'm very pleased to welcome Dr. Shimul Chowdhury to the show. Shimul is Clinical Laboratory Director at Rady Pediatric Genomic and Systems Medicine Institute in San Diego. Listen to Shimul explain how rapid whole genome sequencing can help pinpoint the causes of rare diseases in children. Dr. Shimul Chowdhury, welcome to the Genomics Podcast. In today's show, we're going to continue our ongoing discussion on clinical whole genome sequencing and the impact that NGS is making on healthcare. And in today's show specifically, we're going to discuss a really amazing application of whole genome sequencing in rare disease diagnostics, particularly in a pediatric population. And I'm really excited to have you on the show because you are a global leader in applying NGS technology in this space. But before we get into that discussion, start us off by introducing yourself and telling us how you got involved in genomics. Hi there. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's a real honor for me to be able to speak in this platform and just someone that's been listening to this podcast series regularly. Uh, before I jump in uh, into a little bit into my introduction, I, I really wanted to uh, take one second to uh, talk about the current situation with COVID-19 and just send my appreciation to all the healthcare workers and the delivery drivers and the grocers and all the people that are helping us get through this crisis and been really impressed with what everyone's been doing to, to band together. So it's really been a, a learning experience for me, too, in terms of looking at this current situation and how it applies to other clinical scenarios that we have, in particular children with rare disease, and that we have this systematic problem, we have a crisis that we want to address, and that access to testing, getting the right treatments, uh, these all apply across uh, different spectrums. And that's really what drove me into genomics. So I started off uh, doing my PhD. Uh, in genetics at Arkansas Children's Hospital. And I soon knew that I wanted to use that information 
to really benefit patients. And so I was able to do uh, a clinical genetics fellowship uh, in the state of Washington, which trained me to uh, analyze genetic data and become a laboratory director. And uh, coincidentally, part of my career was actually spent at Illumina as a laboratory director for a few years. Then I had the opportunity to just go down the road in San Diego to the Rady Children's Institute for Genomic Medicine, uh, which was founded based off of a philanthropic gift from Ernest Rady. And then Rady was able to recruit uh, our CEO and and President Stephen Kingsmore, who has really been uh, a pioneer and uh, really been one of the thought leaders in how we can use genomics to really help take care of patients, specifically rapid whole genome sequencing in taking care of our infants and neonates in the neonative intensive care unit. And so I've had the, uh, the pleasure to be involved in this program and this endeavor over uh, the last four years. So I'm happy to, to talk a little bit about that, uh, as well as uh, you know, a little bit broader in terms of rare disease and the pediatric community. So we have done a few shows on rare diseases, and kind of one of the consistent things that patients and clinicians talk about is some of the challenges in getting a correct diagnosis. And we've introduced this concept of the diagnostic odyssey, and that's where patients can spend sometimes, I mean, literally years undergoing a number of different kinds of tests before they get a correct diagnosis. And sometimes patients actually never get a diagnosis. So can you talk a bit about rare diseases in the context of a pediatric population and what is the current unmet clinical need for this particular population? Yeah, thank you. That's the uh, million or billion dollar question here that we're all trying to, to tackle. And so at Rady Children's Institute for Genomic Medicine, the concept of the diagnostic odyssey and the pediatric population, we've really been focusing this question on a particular set of patients, and that's uh, kids in the intensive care unit. So this could be neonative intensive care units or pediatric intensive care units for kids that are a little bit older or cardiac intensive care units. And similar to other scenarios, they are also undergoing a diagnostic odyssey, but they're actually in a time frame where these results need to get back to them as fast as possible to be able to drive interventions to help their treatment and potentially save their lives. And so as we look at the current standard of testing and genetic testing for kids in intensive care unit, A, they don't have the access to the testing that they need, and B, if they do get the testing they need, it actually comes back in a time that's too slow to actually impact the management for that child in the inpatient setting. So as I look at the, the picture of pediatrics, we have all of these different scenarios where there is the child that um, is gone from specialty to specialty in an outpatient setting, searching for a diagnosis. We need to find that child a diagnosis. We need to get them access to testing. And then the particular population that's really been our focus at Rady has been looking at these kids in the intensive care unit and getting them a diagnosis as fast as possible, getting access to that testing as fast as possible as well. So I think when we talk about the concept of the diagnostic odyssey and being able to find an answer to not only let the families know what is going on and, and what is the underlying cause, but to be able to guide their management and guide their treatment going forward. We have multiple scenarios uh, that we're trying to tackle here, but they're all kind of centering around the same, the same concept. And that's, let's find that underlying molecular diagnosis to help downstream in managing the patient. So their diagnostic odyssey is, uh, is just a bit 
it has to be much more short than a, than an adult population for sure. Exactly. We're we're talking about a world where at Rady we're we're aiming to return results within a couple days of returning the sample. We're fortunate enough to be involved in an endeavor of returning a genetic result in 19 and a half hours, which was actually the Guinness World Record for uh, for fastest genomic diagnosis. And I think that's that's the world that we envision and that we're being able to to get these results out to the kids that need it as fast as possible. Well, that's fantastic. And as you mentioned, you're at Rady, and that's right down the road. And you and I would be meeting in person if it weren't for the social distancing right now. But at Rady, you're involved in, I think, a really fascinating genomics initiative called Project Baby Bear. Can you give our listeners kind of an intro and overview of Project Baby Bear? What are you trying to accomplish in this project? Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, this has been such a amazing project to be a part of. It was a collaboration uh, with our friends at Illumina as well that really helped put this into motion. So Project Baby Bear is a state-appropriated fund and project. So this is funded by the state of California for us to really look at the implementation of rapid whole genome sequencing in intensive care units across California. And so we've been fortunate enough to partner with five children's hospitals across the state of California and perform rapid whole genome sequencing on it ended up being 154 kids. Uh, initially, we thought it was going to be 100 kids. We were able to, to do many more of that, uh, which was great. And uh, I'll talk a little bit more about the results of that coming up here. But the snapshot of the study is we really wanted to look at the implementation of this testing. We wanted to look at how it affected the outcomes of these patients. And we also wanted to look at the economic impact as well. And so this a uh, study was focused on Medi-Cal patients. So we knew that these particular patients with this particular insurance, we were able to gather the data that we needed in terms of the health economic data, the utility data. And this is truly a multidisciplinary effort of working with the hospitals across the state. I just want to give them all a shout out in terms of Children's Hospital of Orange County, Rady Children's Hospital, UC Davis Children's Hospital, UCSF Benioff Children's Hospital in the Bay Area in Valley Children's Hospital. It was a lot of work on their end, as well as our team to, uh, to do this multi-site study. The results are extremely exciting and uh, something that we're very proud and very excited to share with the community. So I understand that you've recently completed an interim analysis of the data from Project Baby Bear. So can you talk about some of the key highlights that you've seen from the data so far? Yeah, so we're really in the uh, in the stages of now performing our, our final analysis for what was this this project and this definition. So we'll be looking forward to presenting that final report to to the state in the very near future and presenting these findings uh, in multiple forums. So uh, the snapshot of the study was that again we looked at a hundred and we sequenced hundred and fifty four kids from these five different children's hospitals. We made a molecular diagnosis in 66 of those kids, which comes out to be a diagnostic rate of 43%. And then the number that we really like to focus on at uh, RCIGM is how many babies and how many kids did we impact their management? And out of this cohort, that was 45 kids. So right around 29% of all the kids that we sequenced in the cohort, we were able to impact their management. And I can expand on what that really means a little bit. And then again, one of our 
calling cards, one of the things we emphasize is trying to get these results back as soon as possible. And so the median time to returning a provisional diagnosis was three days in the study. And so that's kind of the, the, the big snapshot. I think some other pieces that I wanted to highlight in terms of the impact of this is, as we talk about changing the management, what does that really mean? In this study, it really talks about around 480 fewer days in the hospital. So decreasing that hospitalization time for these patients now that they had their underlying diagnosis, they're able to go through a very targeted and a very focused approach. 11 fewer major surgeries, including a major reconstructive surgery in the upper airway, 17 fewer invasive diagnostic tests. So again, as you're talking about, there's great benefit always to providing a diagnosis for the family. And now we're really focusing again on the specific clinical outcomes and clinical management implications of this testing. And I think the study really showed that it applies across the board and across the spectrum all over the state of California and the patients that we serve. And so that was what we feel very, very important results from this study that we hope will continue to uh, you know, move the ball forward in terms of making this a more widely available test. I know that you talked about how this is a California initiative. Can you talk a little bit about how Project Baby Bear has evolved and, you know, influenced other states that might be implementing similar programs? And are there other similar kinds of projects in the U.S. that are taking a similar approach to meet the clinical need? And how do you all collaborate with each other? So we're all about collaboration at the Genomics Institute, and we're, we're very fortunate to, to work with multiple children's hospitals all across the the nation and, you know, potentially internationally as well. And, uh, I, you know, in being involved with this from the very beginning, I was the, the sixth employee at the Genomics Institute and being involved in talking with these children's hospitals. It's a very personal thing. You know, people really are pouring their heart and souls into taking care of these patients. And we're really trying to do our best to provide the best information for them. And so with that, again, we're continuing to expand our network, have these conversations try and present this data. We're trying to also help people in packaging their arguments to talk to their, their legislatures and uh, their hospital executives in terms of the benefit of this testing. And so we're hoping to see this program grow. Uh, we do know that the state of California, with the collaboration we have with Nicholas Children's Hospital, actually got a state-funded pilot for them to do rapid whole genome sequencing. And so that's been going underway. And Nicholas was one of our first partners, and so it's been great to watch that evolution. We're in conversations with multiple other states as well, and I think we're, we're very optimistic that there's going to be more Project Baby Bears out there in other states. And uh, I think the data that we're presenting is very compelling and really shows the benefit of this testing. So, you know, for people that are out there listening, and if this is something of interest to them, we're, we're always... Uh, willing to talk and collaborate and seeing and, and able to see how we can help in trying to bring rapid whole genome sequencing to patients all across the United States. So genomics has obviously great potential for continuing to transform the healthcare system, not only in the States, but around the world. And I, I would say almost all of our guests over the years have talked about that as one of the things they're most excited about. And like any clinical intervention or technology, our guests have also talked about, you know, the importance of, of validation for the technology overall. So in your experience of Project Baby Bear, have you seen any change in clinician acceptance for the use of whole genome sequencing? I mean, given what you and your colleagues have been able to accomplish. 
Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the question. I think uh, one of the hurdles we've been trying to tackle in genomics and implementation is that it's a new technology in clinical practice. And so with things that are new, adoption can take a while. I think we're really trying to see what we can do to try and move that progression forward because we see the benefit and what it can do and how it's replicated in multiple studies that we've performed and what others have shown. And so we have numerous examples of how this testing has changed their practice, has changed the way that they think about ordering genetic testing, ordering genomic testing, looking at people that potentially weren't believers at the beginning and then truly were at the end. I think what's been promising for us, again, taking the Project Baby Bear example is we had the study, uh, we had this funding, and now everyone is all in trying to figure out what we can do to do more of this and make sure more kids have the testing and more kids have the access. And very much in the genomics community, we've been very focused on this testing and talking with clinical geneticists and neurologists. And really, we're embarking on a new frontier and talking about this testing with different subspecialties of medicine. So a lot of my time is spent talking with neonatologists, uh, pediatric intensivists, pediatric cardiologists about this testing. And so again, as we look to expand this out, we have to make sure that we're educating the workforce, the new workforce that's coming in, the current workforce that genomics is like any other new technology in there, that there's a lot to learn, but there's a lot of benefit uh, that can be had from from using this testing. So it's been really exciting watching this adoption. So what has been the economic utility and impact of Project Baby Bear? And do you think that the economics will, I mean, we're in California, but do you think that the economics will translate to other healthcare systems around the world? I, I really do. And I think uh, part of our emphasis here at the Genomics Institute in our studies and specifically in Project Baby Bear is we spent a lot of time looking at the economics because we know if something's going to be adopted, right, it, it has to be economically feasible or economically beneficial if you want widespread adoption. And so in Project Baby Bear, we spent a lot of time looking at the economic impact of performing rapid whole genome sequencing. And so we've done very thorough analysis looking at a subset of these patients and what the cost benefit could be for various stakeholders as we look at implementing this testing. And so our, our preliminary investigations uh, in looking at the economic impact is from the Medi-Cal perspective and from the insurer perspective, we're looking at a reduction in cost of over a million dollars. And for the hospital, we're looking at a reduction in cost of uh, just about two and a half million dollars. And so when people talk about how expensive whole genome sequencing is, doing rapid whole genome sequencing, I think our argument is that it's cost effective right now. It saves money, it saves resources, it saves time to the healthcare system as it currently stands. Yes, we need to continue to drive down the costs and work together and collaborate as a community to, to continue to do that. But our data has shown in multiple studies in the intensive care unit setting that Rapid whole genome sequencing not only improves outcomes, but it is also cost-effective for the healthcare system. And as we can see now in, in these times that we live in, healthcare resources and healthcare costs are limited resources in that even as we have this epidemic, right, kids are still getting sick and going to the intensive care unit. They still need to be taken care of. 
And so kids still need to be able to get this access to this testing and we need to be able to use our resources the best that we can. And part of the step in the right direction for that is getting broader access to this type of testing so physicians know what they're dealing with and they're better able to uh, tailor their treatment and management plan for these patients. Last question I have for you is I'd like to know what excites you about the future of whole genome sequencing in clinical practice and what do you hope we see in the future? I'm an optimist by nature and uh, the the field of genomic medicine and whole genome sequencing uh, really jives with that in that I've seen such a rapid progression in the years that I've been involved in this testing. I've seen the benefit of what it does for patients. And I think for the first time as a community, we're really getting focused in on who are the people and who are the stakeholders that we need to convince and what type of data do they need. And I think we're really working on this frontier now of pushing forward of not just making a diagnosis, but making sure we're moving forward on treatments and management plans for these patients. And so it's been truly amazing to watch what the rare disease community has done, uh, the power of these families to advocate for themselves and and for their kids and to to work in conjunction with legislature, with the laboratories. I I really view this as uh, truly taking a community and uh, a widespread approach uh, to tackling this. And Yes, we have big barriers that we need to break down. There's a lot of work to be done, but the progress that we've seen in the last couple of years is amazing. And I think we're, we're very fortunate to, to be in this era and play a small, a small part in it. And uh, it's definitely a field and an area that, that humbles me every day. I, I'm very excited to look forward 10 years from now to see where we're at and, and tell myself that, hey, we were involved at the very beginning of of something that changed the way that we practice medicine. And I really feel that clinical whole genome sequencing will be one of those technologies. That's fantastic, Shamul. I'm really inspired by this talk. I think it's a fantastic application of genomics. And it's it's great that the, you know, this work is happening at Radies, which is so close by. And, uh, you know, I have to say that I'm actually proud the work is going on in the state of California as well. And I, you know, I hope that this project continues and, and really brings answers to patients and their families. I want to thank you for taking the time to talk with us. And thank you for joining us on the Illumina Genomics podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Project Baby Bear or the Rady Children's Institute for Genomic Medicine, visit radygenomics.org. And if you like today's show, please come back and listen to the next episode in our four-part series. You can subscribe to the Genomics Podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Join me next time when I'll be talking with Dr. Maduri Hegde. She's Vice President and Chief Scientific Officer at Perkin Elmer Genomics in Atlanta. We'll be discussing how her genetic testing lab is implementing whole genome sequencing for rare diseases, right here on the Illumina Genomics Podcast. <laughs>